just you guys aren't hearing the jingle are you no uh well no. the jingle's playing i'm like in the glory cloud right now so you're interrupting <laughs> my sorry. glory cloud space sorry i'm talking so if i'm over looking it. a little filled with ecstasy that's yeah, why you're listening We got a we got a fourth block, a fourth block. Yes. And when, when we have like a fourth it. block, it means Symmetric. we're complete, we're whole. Something good is going to happen. We gain confidence. This is this is a good good thing. We've already spoken about the glory cloud. We know uh, something special is going to happen. We have a special guest, Pat Abendroth. Uh, people know who Pat Abendroth is. Senior pastor, Omaha Bible Church, not not Baptist Church, not Bible Baptist Church. I got that wrong last time. Omaha uh, Bible Church. And uh, I'm tempted to start singing the Counting Crows Omaha song at this point. Omaha. (laughs) Thanks, Andrew. Somewhere (laughs) in the middle of America. Well done. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. So I was not expecting that. (laughs) It's very very late and it's been a long day. I will say that, man. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, he's uh, he's also the uh, co-host with Mike Grimes on um, the Pactum. A lot of people uh, who listen to this will listen to that, and um, and uh, one of our favorite podcasts. And uh, I'll put all the links and whatnot on our show notes. Uh, you can check that out at thepactum.org. And uh, we're going to be talking about his new book, Covenant Theology, which is like our favorite topic in the world. So this is this awesome. is perfect. This is good. Welcome, Pat. Excited to be with you guys. I've heard a lot of episodes. I don't usually watch. But uh, not saying anything about your appearances, but I usually listen. <laughs> it's I like down, sometimes. <clears throat> so what all is... the makeup, all the lighting, it's been for naught. True, well, true. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, and we've got all these, all of these different time zones. So yes, we do. That's so right. Andrew's got the worst of it. Just so you know, if he's if he's a little off, uh, it's I'm okay. It's, it's, I'm okay. I'm feeling good. All right. Okay. <laughs> Maybe a little too good. He's singing <laughs> yeah. and all of that stuff's happening. Uh, Nick and I are nice and fresh, and you've got like three thirty itis there, right, Pat? This is your uh... it's tr- yeah. The days around it, it's winding down, so okay. yeah. But I'm doing yeah. fine. It's been a good day. I've all tried right. to stay off Twitter today. Sweet. <laughs> you got to tell us about your. Uh, have you always been like a what do you call it? A cycling, a biking guy? What do you, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Super into cycling. You know what? Cycling. Biking too. I, a motorcycle, motorcycle in the garage as well, but wow. mainly pedaling. Yeah. Okay. I, I like good. to see, when I see guys on Harleys, I want to say, you know, I sold my Harley and I lost 50 pounds because I started pedaling. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I but lost 16 up. kilograms. I don't know what that is in pounds this year. Okay. No doing cycling. A lot. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. Great yeah. job. It, it yeah. works. It works. As a little kid, I, ra- I raced BMX bikes and was all into that. And so stopped for a while and I was doing my doctorate and, you know, you have to read so many pages. You have to just stop thought, doing everything. Pedal. Yeah. I should oh. pedal while I listen to these Kindle books. Yes. And uh, again, I don't know about kilos, but 50 pounds is is a fair amount. So yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. It's like a Backstreet Boy. I wish Into I could do that. <laughs> yes. Well played, Andre. <laughs> to be fair, it is Mike's line. Uh, you know, it's cool. Fun. You can have it. You can have it. You can have it. Whatever. Thanks, Just thanks, clever. Thanks, you need Mike. that. You need that. Um, so so <laughs> you know, the, the whole reading on Kindle thing, I wish I could do that. I mean, the 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 reading on Kindle while you pedal. It's like something wrong with my brain. Was listening to Kindle books. Oh, it, it, it's an awful sound, but one hour, I can do one hour. 
I don't okay. even know if they do it anymore, but the old Kindles, they yeah. would read to you a terrible oh, computer voice. You mean like, like the computer the pure, voice? Like the Puritan thing. hard drive. You uh, know, the Puritan hard uh, drive would read John Owen, the, the Mac voice or the... Yeah. Did you yeah. really? Did you do... <laughs> so you cycle oh, while you listen is. to the computer voice. Is that what you did? Yeah. yeah. I did. Wow. It was good I for mean, me. They should give it you like good. two doctorates for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a demon, so it doesn't count for any, yeah. actually. <laughs> that's like, uh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I've tried. I have tried that. I heard... I, what was it? Um someone was doing that and I, I gave it a go i think i lasted like 10 minutes i couldn't do it it's just and then, and then the Fair way enough. it's sort of like it, it sort of brings all the all the uh, citations in as well especially because you're reading these academic documents and it's throwing the the, the footnotes and dates in there and it just becomes yeah, carnage you got, yeah listen. those ones don't those work, ones yeah. Are, yeah. yeah anyway yeah i tried Good. to listen to jim hamilton's book on typology and it just didn't work because there were too many Bible references that it was yes. out. So uh -huh. it just, and then just, what they start doing is work. they start taking the the name of like the Bible books and 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 the 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 abbreviation and then replacing it with like abbreviations for states and all of that. And so you know Genesis <laughs> becomes Geneva and all that, whatever it is, and it's just uh, it gets real messy. Um, but speaking of your your uh, your demon there, Pat, uh, the the book was originally yeah. your dissertation, right? Is that is that correct? Yeah, or have... yeah on purpose. We didn't even yes. change anything. So. Right. Okay. So there it is, and. Um, and did I read that Fesco was your supervisor? Is that did I just he make was. that up? He was. Wow. So the story, the story behind that, Mike, was uh, Ligonier. This is back when Ligonier had a, a demon program. It's no longer in, in existence. But they asked me. They they said, "Who would you like to have as your advisor?" And oh. I thought, well, so much about justification. Who who's in my opinion the living authority on the matter? Yeah. And uh, like a dummy, like a fool, I said. How about JV Fesco? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Because then he said yes. And I thought, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Go I had a very similar experience. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah. So it was great. You know, I didn't, I'd never met him. So we become friends. And wow. uh, I, he, he's a gem. I really appreciate him. And yeah. Yeah. He did a, it was helpful having him because I would say things, you know, like a good advisor, I would say, you know, kind of always the never statements. And he would say, I understand what you're trying to say about this, but yeah. you know, see these five sources. <laughs> yeah. Right. Awesome. And you better nuance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it, well, I think it came through. I think it really, um, you know, mm. there, there was some elements we'll talk about it later, but you know, just some, some areas that I, th I think it, I mean, I don't know exactly what he put into it, but it just felt like really solid and good. And, you know, it felt mm -hmm. like you had a lot of advice and, you know, nuance and counsel along the way. It wasn't just some like scrambled out, like, a, you know, some of these books tend to be, you know, <clears throat> I, I won't say anything about mine, but appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. It's, so, um, Pat, Pat, is this the demon that was on your website for a while? Is it still there? Yeah. It's the exact same thing. I okay, think we took so it down. So now we're for profit. Right. So uh, I, uh, I'm probably one of the few guys who read the demon before the book. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I should pay you for doing that. <laughs> it was great. It's, ama it. it's, ama it's amazing what happens when you put something in a book form and print and, you know, people wouldn't read it before. And now, you know, you sell yeah. thousand copies. Well, it's got that amazing cover. Wow. That, so, okay. that's that's good that is tattooable. Talk cover. about tattoos. Wow. Totally. Yeah. Kind of you to say there's a, the, the woman who does all of our Pactum stuff. So a uh, church wow. member. So mm -hmm. she's sweet and does a great job. So amazing. Amazing. Yep. Now, yep. uh, Pat, you're, um, you're the pastor at Omaha. Um, you want to give us a little bit more about the context, your story there? I imagine that folds into the book somehow. Um, whatever sure. you've, sure. you want to say, let people know. So born and raised in Omaha. So kind of middle of America. Ha -ha. Yes. <laughs> middle of nowhere. Yes. So Omaha's, um, 
Oh, with the sprawl, the urban sprawl and all of that, it's pretty spread out, but maybe close to a million people. So, you know, it's right. not a booming metropolis, but it's not backwoods either. Yeah. So born and raised, nominal Lutheran home. Always believed the Bible was true, but didn't know what it said. Wow. And so went off to university and someone had the audacity to question my faith. And I was offended and it was wonderful and glorious and the Lord used it. So that was probably in 1989. And it just drove me to read the, uh, read the Bible, started reading and um, kind of some righteous indignation. I was angry that I went to church my whole life and didn't know anything. Yeah. Wanted to go to seminary for all the wrong reasons, hmm. just to learn, never wanted to be a pastor. And okay. so the Lord is patient and I'm thankful for that. Uh, my wife, Molly and I uh, were married in 91. And so we, I went off to seminary in 93. So I've been at Omaha Bible Church since 98, coming up on 25 years. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Great church, just great leaders, balanced, level-headed. Um, it's a great team. I love it. I can't see myself anywhere else. Got five kids, three out of the home adults, and two teenage boys that I used to see a lot, but they both have driver's licenses now. So. Oh, that's it. Goodbye. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, okay. No, I, I love the church. I love the church. I'm busy with preaching. Uh, you know, there are, there are five of us on the church staff. So I get to focus on preaching, teaching a theology class. Beautiful. The Pactum podcast takes a lot of time now. It's kind of become its own animal. Yeah. So, so did, did that sort of, um, which came first, the chicken or the egg, the Pactum podcast or the book? I'm just wondering how they folded into each other. It seems like the one you talk a lot about the same stuff and the same burden carries them both. Um, is that right? True. True. Yeah. So that that's a that's an interesting question. I mean, I've never actually even thought about it. So yeah. the podcast came after I'd done my dissertation. Okay. But the book was just published in 2023. So yeah, they kind of feed each other, right? The big burdens yeah. are law and gospel, kind yeah. of theology. Those kinds of basic ABCs, one, two, threes. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you, I, I'm kind of, I, I'm kind of the guy that I never read a book until I went to college and I had to or university. I think you guys, most of you, say. Yeah. Um, and so, just not the not the sharpest crayon in the box. Uh, not an academic, but if I can figure something out, you know, beating my head against the wall. If I can figure something out, I can make it understandable. Yes. And so it's a it's a curse and a blessing. So I think the Pactum has traction because of that. The book yeah. has traction Definitely. because of that. Yeah, I love that about the book. That's, I mean, you can tell that you're trying to get it. You know, it's like, what is covenant theology? What is it? What is it? What is it? You're shaking it by the, by the you know, tail there. And, and then and then it's like someone wants to answer you, well, baptism. No, 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 not, not baptism. What is it? What is it? What is it? Well, dispensationalism. No, 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 not that either. What is it? What is it? I, I want to know front and center. What is this thing? And the whole book is just kind of like wrangling the topic down to its essence, which is great. You know, and I, um, I would, yeah. I need to be as enthusiastic as you are, Mike. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm psyched, you know, because I always get very, very, very um, uh, excited when I see a new book on covenant theology that I can actually use, you know, and actually yeah. because usually uh -huh. they're marred in some terrible way. You know, <laughs> you have to just throw them or there are only a few of them that you can actually uh, recommend to people because either they're they've got this hardcore polemic behind it, you know, trying to make you a Presbyterian or trying to, you know, just just steer you against this whole quadrant of Christianity or trying to argue for theonomy or whatever it is. There's always something right. uh, as an agenda, and very rarely do you come across a book that just goes, look, you know, if you're struggling with this, um, here it is. I'm not going to force you into any corner. 
It's just, this is what it actually is. So this is what you have to go and wrestle with in your own Bible. Go for it. You know, and history. There it is. Have a look. And we, Um, and we kind of have shared your burden that you guys have. Yes. You know, sacred bond is great, but we're not pedo Baptists. So, you know what? I like Michael Brown a lot. I like Zach Keel a lot, but you know, there's that, that thing in there. You always have to just like explain people out of it afterwards. And it's a good thing. I mean, they they are. Just excuse that chapter. Yep. Yeah, and I think they wrote it as students of Mike Horton because yes. his introduction yeah. is great, but it assumes too much. Yes, and and so then they did. I think they they improved it as his students, but yes. we still needed a Baptistic one. Yes, and then absolutely, I come from a yeah. real dispensational background, a kind of a biblicist background, and so you got to prove it with the scripture, yeah. and it can't just you can't assume anything. Well, Nick and likes so, that. And yeah, that I makes mean, a fact. Preacher, preacher, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, in, in one sense, Nick, I think I wrote the book still as a dispensationalist, wow. um, meaning a future for geopolitical, national Israel, rebuilt temple, all that stuff. Wow. I don't hold to those things any longer, but I want to prove to people who do, you know, the water's yes. warm. Come on in. Yeah. And you, you can affirm both things because covenant theology is about soteriology. It's not about that yeah but i was yeah. taught that it that it was about that and it's not so yeah so just coming in at that point i mean uh my kindle reference is probably different but i just i highlighted this quote in 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 the spirit of what you're saying you say covenant theology at its very basic level is not nor is it tied to a certain millennial view baptism view or whether or not there is a future for israel and i just thought oh everyone needs to hear that yeah they do and maybe tying into that you say that there are many excellent treatments of covenant theology, both detailed and introductory. However, these offerings typically have an intended readership that is at least sympathetic to the content. And the aim here is not to further disciple disciples of covenant theology, but complete strangers and the sort of person who Mm -hmm. basically cares little about what a given church confession or theologian says. Beautiful. That's exactly, I mean, that's, that's why I like this. I mean, you did write it with a pastoral sort of focus, right? That comes through and um, it's something that pastors can use. That's what I love about this. You just hand them out. You're like little little covenant theology trance, you know, Uh, fantastic. (laughs) But but I don't want to make light of it either. Sorry, go for it. Oh, no, that was one of the things I really loved about the book is just the way you draw out the applications and implications all the way all the way through. You know, this is why this is significant. This is why this is important to know. This is why it's important to, and that's the kind of thing that if I was handing it out to a church member, that's going to keep them keep them going along and understanding it. Um, yeah. and, and wanting to, to, and appreciating why this is important because there tends to be around where I am, a kind of anti-intellectualism that actually okay. knowledge for knowledge sake is worth nothing. So, uh, unless they can see benefit, um, you know, yeah. right away, they will lose interest very, very quickly, especially when it comes to books. And so actually having that is like priceless when I'm recommending a book. Exactly. To exactly. All the way through you being drawn along and saying, this is why this matters. This is yes. why this matters. And so that is, whereas normally you're relying on like every other covenant theology. I mean, the only other book that I thought came close to that was Chris Corhey's book. He, he did a, a good job of that as well. Yes. But again, you've got the you've got the the pedo Baptist element in there, which made it somewhat awkward for us. But the, um, but yeah, so, so that was that was clear all the way through, and it's really important for handing it out. Yeah, definitely. I really appreciate that, and you know, it helps people read their Bible. I mean, right? Yeah, it's yeah. How, yeah. how practical is that? Not to mention assurance and other important things. Yes. So exactly, the um, 
you know, and when we say, you know, hand out, it's not an, it's not an easy book. You know, it's not, it's not like something that's what I liked about it though. It wasn't just this, um, you know, boil down to this real, real dumb, dumb level where it's just kind of, you know, facetious almost where, you know, okay, we're trying to, you know, guys, God relates to man covenantly, you know, and, and there's a picture of the covenant and the rainbow and, you know, and they sometimes go in that direction as well, because, you know, people that are wrestling with this are often quite serious about it. And they, they, they want at least a strong platform to get into future reading material or just a strong grounding or something that gives you the whole. And, you know, so, I mean, people listening to this shouldn't think that, you know, we're, we're talking here about a little flimsy pamphlet that, that we're handing no, out no, as gospel no, tracts, no. but it, it's, um, it's something that's substantive and mm. you know it's accessible but it really takes you a full way through the, the 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 process of seeing what this is and what it is that you need to read about if you want to know more and uh, you know some good authors are highlighted throughout and the bad authors i think are also <laughs> kind of uh, you know sectioned out and just at least um, yeah. flagged um, and then if they don't get it in the book they can always just follow your um, your twitter feed <laughs> oh <laughs> and they'll, they'll see the bad guys there so it's yeah. important to have sparring partners, right? It totally. helps you to figure out what you believe. Lots yes. of footnotes. So I, in one sense, I if I wrote it again, not as the dissertation, I would make it simpler. You would. But anybody Providence. Who, Providence. Yes. And anyone who wants to read it, they can certainly read it. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, maybe can. just just following up on what Mike is saying, what I was, I think the whole, you know, if, if you only wrote the chapter on the covenant of redemption, that would have been worth the price of the book because... Mm. I mean, in every dealing of the covenant of redemption, I don't know about, about you guys, but I would be, you know, they're, they're making their points. And then some, finally, I find myself lost in the servant chapters of Isaiah. And I'm wondering, what am I doing here? What, what What's what's the argument again? What's yes. going on again? <laughs> yeah, I know and, what you mean. Uh, I know what you know, mean. you kept, you keep, you kept the headlines bold and you mm -hmm. kept, you know, you, you brought in the detail to back up the headlines. But I felt like that was just the most valuable chapter in terms of covering that ground incredibly persuasively and biblically without getting lost yes in the the exegetical rabbit trails which so many books that are defending that uh, tend to do so just excellent chapter yeah, yeah that was great appreciate now, it appreciate it so pat i just want to ask before we move on from the dispensational thing you you mentioned that you have yep. these like uh two sets of professors kind of um you know the, the ones that loved uh covenant theology the others that didn't was that a master seminary or yeah so or I, went that... to I went to Yes, I went to master's in 2000, no, 1993 to 96. Had a great experience, learned a ton. I'm so thankful for all the things that I learned, but yeah. it was confusing sometimes when my systematic theology professor, um, you know, we read Burkhoff, we read Redemption Accomplished and Applied by John oh, Murray. Well. We read Imputation of Adam's Sin by John Murray. At Brilliant. the time, it was like the hardest book I'd ever read, you know, read. It's like, yeah. it's a little thing. <laughs> and I'm beating my head against the wall. Like, man, this is Funny. hard. Yeah. So I, that was outstanding. And so uh, federal headship, um, all of those things I was taught uh, by that professor. But you go to a hermeneutics class or you go to a different professor's class and uh, covenant theology is bad because, you know, you're going to lose your dispensationalism. Yes. And so it was kind of confusing to kind of know um, yeah. about wow. things. Okay. Well, that's kind of uh, interesting I would have thought that, um, you know, that you wouldn't have even got any of that at, at masters at all, you know, so that, that's kind of a good thing. Well, and, and then it's confusing too, because you, you know, John MacArthur, when he was my pastor and I'm a member of the church and he would talk about the covenant of redemption in a sermon. Oh, really? And it's Whoa. like, oh, huh, wow. So <laughs> again, as a quick, 
aside, you know, the, the book covenant theology, I go out of my way to only quote John MacArthur positively, because right. again, I, I want, I want to appeal to a lot of people, but I want to appeal to those folks um, and say, Hey, look, John MacArthur covenant of redemption. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's okay to, yeah. to believe these things. Yeah. But I do, I did hear that, you know, a professor took him aside and said, you know, please don't say that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> so there's all of that. Uh, S. Lewis Johnson was highly spoken of at the seminary because of his former dispensationalism. And that was helpful. I used to listen to the cassette tapes all the time. And, mm. you know, he in time affirmed, all the three covenants of covenant theology, uh, federal headship. So that was really helpful. And I got exposed to him at, at masters as well. So mm. it kind of depended on, on who you were listening to. And mm. uh, it, it was kind of hard to sort that stuff out. Yeah, I think there are, there are men there now who I think would affirm covenant theology and there are those who would not. So mm. there's been change, but I'm thankful for, for those men who are there. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, what was your, biggest hurdle personally as you're going through this whole thing i mean how, how did i mean were you was there one thing that you were getting tripped up on again and again was it the israel yeah, thing so is there a two-age sojourner sofa i could sit on <laughs> yeah. for right over there i need a pillow i said well how do you feel about that how do you feel about that right uh, i like like i said uh, the future Israel thing, they're kind of apples and oranges. So at least, so for me, it ended up being justification, uh, right? So when evangelicals and Catholics together uh, came about in 1994, I talk about this in the preface uh, yes. and tell about my story. So when that happened, you know, John MacArthur walks into chapel and he just come from Florida meeting with RC Sproul and all the other guys involved and, you know, they're talking about Chuck Colson and J.I. Packer and MacArthur like has him turn, you know, turn off the recording, you know, hair down. And it was the best chapel of my whole seminar. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, right. talking about R.C. Sproul getting up on, I don't know if it was the chair or the table, you know, and just going for it. It was a great story. Wow. <laughs> and so, uh, so much so that the next time something big like that happened, that was controversial. This is, you know, before smartphones. Uh, yeah. I remember bringing in my, my little cassette recorder. And I was going to do contraband because if they didn't record it, I was going to record the spicy stuff. <laughs> awesome. So, so anyway, all of that to say, I knew as a seminary student, I, I didn't know much like, okay, justification, you know, this must yeah. be a pretty big deal. Yeah. I, I need to learn. So read everything I could get my hands on. And then, you know, fast forward, you hear RC say, well, it's not actually about justification if you don't have imputation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. So active obedience, imputation, and then fast forward, there was a professor at, uh, at master's denying active obedience, and it was a divine attribute credited to you, that righteousness. And uh, I mean, all these controversies swirling forced me to do the deep dive into justification. And, and, you know, once you do the deep dive, it's solo fide, and then it's imputed righteousness, and it's mm -hmm. Christ obedience to the law. Oh, uh, that means covenant of works kind of stuff. Yeah. And so before you know it, you know, you're saying covenant theology, covenant theology, covenant theology in your yeah. dreams. Yeah. But yeah, it's a justification issue. So yeah. you know, when people ask me, how can I help my church embrace this? One of the first things I say, and I say it in the book, uh, develop a love for the 
work of Christ, yes, but the justifying work of Christ. Amen. And if you get people to buy in, it's just a matter of time. Yes, uh, I think. Yes, so, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And uh, you know, on that point, <clears throat> you know, th- there. I don't know. There's probably a better way to talk about this, but uh, you know, you get the good kinds of covenant theology and the bad kinds of covenant theology, uh-huh. right? You get the. The, the the kinds of covenant theology that are really going to take you away from a law of gospel contrast and really move you right away from um, from uh, a good understanding of justification and so forth, uh, mono-covenantalism. But the problem is they all come in these books called covenant theology. And, you know, people are going to just read them. And before they know it, they're, they're, they're ending up in some weird zone. And it's the worst is when they cut their teeth on that, you know, when they they get all excited about the unity of scripture. Uh, for the first time, perhaps coming from a dispensational background or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and they get this massive polemic against, you know, their own beliefs, and and uh, they, all right, I'm jumping ship, and they jump into this whole new territory, and then without even knowing it, they've they've really ditched the the covenant of works, covenant of grace distinction, law gospel distinction. Um, so what what I appreciated about the book is that you sort of you you know you you ste- you're steering people in the right direction with that definitional piece right in the right in the beginning um you know what is a covenant we've got to get this right if we if we make this too narrow it's going to go in the wrong direction so think about this but not not just forcing it down people's throat but just going you know well think about it how would you come up with a definition on this um so you mentioned uh palmer robertson john murray uh those guys um where you end up with with uh with, with some differing definitions you want to just help uh maybe people listening in on this or just to get a preview of what you're saying in the book, uh, you know, why does that matter? How does that tie in? Yep. I think the most boring part of the book would be defining a covenant because it's quote after quote, option yeah. after option. Right. But it's actually really important because as you're saying, Mike, if you, if you're too specific in your definition, you'll exclude certain covenants. Yeah. So there are different kinds of covenants. And so we have to have a pretty broad definition. And so that's why, for example, O. Palmer Robertson, that famous definition in his classic book, you know, uh, covenant is a uh, bond in blood sovereignly administered. Mm, well, mm. it sounds awesome. It, uh, it just rolls <laughs> off the tongue. Yes, exactly. But uh, what if not all covenants contain blood? You right. know? So right. now we've, we've made the definition too narrow. And uh, now all of a sudden you can't have a covenant, covenant of redemption if there's no blood, for example. Yeah, uh, and so I think that I, I'm not questioning people's motives, but we need to be more generic. Uh, so it's I say a formal agreement, um, and yeah. by agreement we don't have to be peers in agreeing to something, yeah. uh, but it's something formal. It's binding. Weddings are great because in the Bible, you know, marriage is a covenant. So mm-hmm. even today, when you go to a wedding, typically there are going to be vows. Oh, that's mm-hmm. covenantal. Yeah. Uh, vows yeah. and oaths, and there are witnesses. Oh, that's covenantal. Uh, and yeah. there are good things that happen if you uphold your vows and there are bad things that happen if you don't. Right. So it's really helpful just to think in those terms. Uh, I live in a neighborhood where we have a covenant, you know, in our neighborhood, I can't paint my house certain colors or there are consequences. Right. <laughs> so, so we're, we're familiar with the, the concepts, but l- yeah. let's keep it generic. And oftentimes there is it blood, is. but that doesn't yeah. mean always. So I think it's Good. worth the exercise. And I'll, I'll be honest, guys, for a long time, even as a pastor, if in fact, I remember in a, in a men's theology group, somebody raised their hand, a, a person new, new to Christianity, and they said, can you, can you tell me what a covenant is anyway? 
and I fumbled around and talked about Bible this really special thing. It's a special, special uh-huh. thing. <laughs> and I felt like you're such a dummy. You know, you have how many degrees and all this stuff. And yeah, but I think a lot of pastors are that way. And a lot of Christians are even that way. And uh, one way to know the Bible better because it's covenantal from Genesis to Revelation is at least have a basic definition. Yeah. It's a formal agreement that mm-hmm. creates a relationship. We can start, you know, adding to it. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, with uh, with Meredith Klein was big on that. And he was just, you know, hey, we've got it. I mean, he was right there in that wall on this point. And, um, you know, so he he that's where I really saw the importance of definition for the first time. Uh, We're saying, listen, you've got to you've got to get this thing right. Otherwise, you're going to smerge them all together. And it's going to be this this, um, you know, uh, this this terrible outworking. Um, but I think one of the things that now, um, who, yeah. now who is she? Who's who is she? Who's uh, she's my favorite theologian? Yeah, along with Kim Riddlebarger <laughs> and Lorraine Beatner. Those are my right. girls right there. It's so funny when you when you talk about this stuff that people that they don't know. Yeah, Lorraine Bettner, that one. And, uh, so it sounds like a bunch of liberal hippies with our feminist theologians, and, you know. But anyway. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. I just kind of let the, leave them in suspense for a while and, you know, let them figure it out. Eventually. It's my only time I get to be kind of this liberal guy. So I just let him let <laughs> play with it. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's coming along and he's going, right. You know, you've got this, um, this covenant in the garden that you can't mm-hmm. leave out. It's, it's a covenant of works. And then you've got mm-hmm. this, this, you know, these other covenants that do involve blood and, you know, end up uh, showing you this contrast with grace. Um, and I think one of the things that you bring out in the book, which is really good, is, um, again, coming out of this definition, allowing you this freedom, um, that the covenant of works is a, it's there, it's in the garden, you've got also the the works orientation that's that's super important, you've got that coming through again in the in the Pactum Salutis, um, mm-hmm. And so you you drill down on this uh, what, what Klein again called the law priority of the covenants, which I like. So it's <laughs> very counterintuitive, uh, but it, it kind of brings out this point that people freak out when you start talking like that. That we want a works covenant. There's got to be a right. works covenant in eternity. There's got to be a works covenant here. We want works, works, works. Law priority, and then save uh-huh. my covenant of works. <laughs> it sounds like uh-huh. you're a bunch of nutters, you know, just like these ultra legalists, <laughs> just like not interested in grace at all. And I've at least I've at least grown to be sympathetic, right? Yes. I, I like it that people's knee jerk reaction when they hear. You know, covenant of works is uh, no. They 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 alarm. Ephesians two eight and nine alarm is going off. Yes, and yes. I I've grown to. I'm thankful. That's good. I want to say great job. Right. Glad you're thinking that way. Yes, but Jesus didn't. You know, Adam wasn't. You know, free to do whatever he wanted to do, and or Jesus didn't just show up and take a nap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We do Born believe in salvation by. Yeah. yeah, we believe in salvation by works. Yes, it's the works of Christ, and uh, yeah. but. So I want to, I want to be patient with people, yeah. but in its great shock value, you know, on a Sunday morning, say true or false salvation is by works, you know, and everybody's like, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Well, Jesus did something last time I read the Bible. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then you follow it, it up with that, that great irony, isn't it? Where you, we, if you don't name the covenant of works, then it comes in, it comes in by the back door and it, it's, it, it, it seeps out in other kind of places, but the naming of it almost kind of raises the heckles. But unless you do that, it's this very counterintuitive thing. Like unless you, unless you name and place where works belong, then yes. works will appear where they don't belong. And, yeah. and, 
And I, I actually think that was, I love the section of the covenant works for that reason. And I also, I also I appreciated, um, you know, your engagement with some of Piper's stuff, because for me, one of the great unnervement, uh, unnerving things was Piper's releasing some fairly radical statements about justification and about mm, mm. all kinds of things. Final justification. And yeah. there's there's not a and, and, and Shriner's right there with him, Tom Shriner. Yeah. And Shriner, because yeah. he wrote the forward for Piper's book way back. So, so did you know Shriner went to Piper's church for like ten years or something? Oh, I was aware. So, of him. so in his I, yeah. in his commentary to Romans, he in in the in the forward, he credits. You know, I just want to give. I just want to say, John Piper is the biggest influence on my commentary. Mm. And then, so he makes some really dodgy statements around Romans two thirteen. And then later in his Pauline theology, there's a footnote where he says, yep, yep. I no longer believe that D.A. Carson's changed my mind <laughs> or something to that effect. Yeah. So, yeah. so anyone I mean, who I really appreciate it. He's a man on a journey. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I really appreciate it actually listening to your Pactum episode with Fesco and how Fesco dealt with that because he's obviously he's a man with great admiration for John Piper, yes. but at the same yeah. time, strongly disagrees with where he's going on on justification. And I thought that was really good. But what, what I do think is really helpful is to have it out there in a book that is that is kind of talking about these things. Because when Piper was releasing all this stuff, I don't know if I just missed it, but I searched the interwebs high and high and low to try and find some kind of voice like that was reaction. Saying, Hang yeah. On, yeah. Is this what we think? Like, like, isn't this a bit of a problem? And right. there was just nothing, like apart from some discernment blogger somewhere. Well, and, and then you, you did have Klein's attack on covenant theology, where he mentions he mentions Fuller yep. and Piper and yep. those guys. That's so. actually helpful. That's helpful. Yeah, yeah, I, I read those. Those are great. Nice. Yeah. Maybe okay. the best thing for me in doing the whole uh, book project was re- doing research on Romans 2.13. You know, where are people on yeah. Romans 2.13? Yeah. It was right. so enlightening. And now it's kind of a litmus. Figure out where they are on that. Mm. And you know, Romans two thirteen, God doesn't justify the hearers of the law, but the doers of the law. And so many people are like, "Yeah, better start working harder. Right. Uh, better do more." Uh, now we're going to say there's an initial justification by faith and final justification by works, which sounds very Roman Catholic, by the way. Um, it yeah. is yeah. Roman Catholic. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, I was there for a while. Roman except you don't have the cool priests. Me up. Yeah. Yeah. Except we don't have the cool stuff. We don't have the merch. See, so get, get rid of the get rid of the rosary. Get rid of the merch. Get yeah. rid of the cool robes, and all you're left with is yep. stupid theology. Yeah. Oh, so I, it, it's a it's a it's a big deal, and it's it's not that complicated. But then everybody's like, well, yeah, but they say these are spirit wrought good works. I'm sorry, that's not twofold two step justification. Yeah. It's only one. But then you start reading Calvin. Calvin, you know, is like. That's the good thing. You read the old dead guys that have thought about yeah. this stuff before who had more covenantal categories. Yeah. Calvin's like, you know, it's kind of the, the classic quote. And if you can't figure this out, you should be laughed at by children. Yeah. <laughs> so that, <laughs> I read that. That's great. I, that was great. Yeah. Okay. That's, I love uh, Kelvin's, you know, ironic tone, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like how many times can you say stupid? <laughs> it's like, it's Calvin's favorite word. <laughs> But uh, these, these are important matters. I, I listened. Yeah. I was going to have a guy preach for me uh, who I'd met, who was just a sweet, kind-hearted guy. Well, let's call him Dean because that's his name. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and I listened to his Romans 2.13 before I had him come preach for me. And I thought, over my dead body, will this guy ever preach for me? Well, because he yeah. talked about losing sleep that week. 
and you know so troubled are we doing enough to be finally justified and it was sad and well wow. fast forward the the hundred uh the hundredth episode of the pactum podcast we had a contest and guess who won this guy this this guy who's my friend now dean oh, and no. i thought oh no the guy won all the free merch and he doesn't even <laughs> believe what we believe about the gospel <laughs> well I, i'm throwing my friend dean under the bus because he sent me the nicest email i've ever received wow. and he's like you know what it's i this isn't an exact quote but something like it's like i've been converted again yeah, well, now totally, i'm totally. Re i'm resting in christ it makes sense to me and so we had a wonder we had a great lunch and and he preached for me in july and i was so happy <laughs> oh, awesome. what i Amen. said would never happen yeah, yeah happen. so yeah. if we can encourage people to to read romans 2 13 and study it and then read it in context mm. you know paul's driving them to romans 3 none righteous mm. no not one yeah it's why you needed imputed righteousness but if you don't have covenant classic covenant theo theological categories yeah. It's no yeah. wonder. And not all the commentaries are going in the right direction because when I, I was tripped up at Romans 2.13 and whether it was Moo, Lloyd-Jones, Schreiner, they were all heading in that direction for, for, for different reasons. Schreiner would be a lot more final justification-y. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Others were just wanting to bring in the importance of works. But um, yeah, so your book's very valuable because it, it brings the exegetical work forward where some of the commentaries just aren't. So mm. Also waiting on Lee Irons to clarify that in his commentary. Yes. Okay. That's a much anticipated <laughs> release. Yeah, exactly, man. But, um, you well, know, I, got this I think it, if we have, well, it's one of the reasons why we, we need good Bible commentaries, but so often they've divorced, you know, their yes. expertise, languages, syntax, and these important matters, but they pretend like they don't have a theology, yeah. but they actually yeah. do. They actually do. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I tell people, Read good, read a good commentary with languages, but but have your have your categories figured out, have your theology figured out, yeah, with something like covenant theology. Yeah, amen. Uh, you got this great quote from Sproul that we have to, um, oh, uh, yeah, that was we have to read. We just have to read okay. uh, while we're in this uh, this arena of conversation. Uh, at the heart of this question of justification and imputation is the rejection of what is called the covenant of works. In this work of fulfilling the covenant for us in our stead, theology speaks of the active obedience of Christ. Without Christ's active obedience to the covenant of works, there is no reason for imputation. There is no ground for justification. If we take away the covenant of works, we take away the active obedience of Jesus. If we take away the active obedience of Jesus, we take away the imputation of his righteousness to us. If we take away the imputation of Christ's righteousness to us, we take away justification by faith alone. If we take away justification by faith alone, we take away the gospel. Boom. I mean, there it is. Right? Very, my, very. Mic drop. Mic drop. Yep. Beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bless that man. That is a, that is a really, really powerful and uh, just very clear way to think about it. You know, I think if someone sat down and worked through those words and what they mean, and you know, mm -hmm. that's a very clear chain of thought right there that will take them uh, where we're hoping they will go. Yep. yep. Yeah. So you guys will like this story. Um, so for my graduation from Ligonier, there were like two of us with uh, demons and everyone else was Reformation Bible College, you know, young students. And, uh, but it was a, it was a great event, pomp and circumstance at St. Andrews in Florida. And they had a bagpipe guy, you know, and wow. it, it was just cool. But <laughs> our, our, RC was pretty sick um, getting wow. toward the 
getting toward, you know, stepping into eternity, but he was healthy enough to be there. I talked to Stephen Nichols early in, earlier in the day and he's like, yep, RC's plan to be there. Uh, he sat up on the stage, um, you know, oxygen, they wow. had to help him get up to the pulpit. And I'm sitting on the front row, like right in front of him, just thinking this is a cool event. My wife, Molly, sitting somewhere else because I was with the graduates. And RC gets up there. And, you know, knowing what my my dissertation was on, you know, it's covenant theology. RC gets up there and preaches on the act of obedience of Christ. Wow. You know, through the oxygen and everything. And I just sat there and bawled. I just cried yeah. the whole wow. time. Wow. And I was thinking to myself, I hope Molly sees what's happening you know? And so then it makes me want to cry now. Wow. So then afterward, you know, uh, it was all done. I tried to find my wife and she finds me and she gave me a big hug, said, I love you. And then she said, isn't God good for giving you that gift? Yeah. Like, she understood. <laughs> she got it. So and, uh, pretty cool. That's yeah, amazing. Well, yeah. Well, he sent me a nice note later, just, you know, thanking me for writing on it. And so wow. pretty, pretty sweet. That is amazing. Wow. We, yeah. um, wow. I mean, so I suppose the the whole thing with all of that, I mean, I, we're all sort of, I think we've all, like you mentioned, like a, a second conversion experience or, but I mean, what we're actually talking about there is just what we originally thought was amazing about grace to begin with, you know, and then it's sort of like, what happens is you just start walking along and trying to put two and two together and it gets all convoluted. I was just talking to um, Jeff Taylor the other day, uh, he was on our, on our podcast and um Great episode. I enjoyed it. He's a sweet guy, isn't he? Sweet guy. Yeah, totally. Great and guy. great book. Great and just yeah. similar sort of thing in that, you know, if you're not careful, it just sort of, it just, there's something about just all this stuff that dilutes the, the, the reason for your joy to begin with. I mean, you, you know, when you come to Christ, I, mean, I was a drug addict for crying out loud. I mean, I had nothing, nothing at all to put on the table. And if anyone had to tell me, well, all you've got to do is X, Y, Z, and then you're in, you know, I mean, already that's me done. You know, that, that's, there was no, there was no joy, no hope, nothing, you know? And the only reason there was hope to begin with was because, you know, of the gospel. And, and it's, it's, it's sort of when you start to get into the theological reasoning for that and how it fights mm -hmm. back on some of this stuff, that's when that joy starts surfacing again and being recaptured. I mean, it catches me by surprise because sometimes I'll, I'll be, um, you know, I mentioned with Jeff's book, it's, it's sort of like, I'll just be feeling this crazy joy. And I'm thinking, what's going on over here? Uh, you know, gasping at the goodness of the good news is really all you're doing. But, you know, we should be doing it more. And it's bad Amen. that we're not and doing it. In those moments, though, Amen. in those moments, you realize how much not grasping that stuffs up the whole of the Christian life. Yes. Like, it, you know, like it just sucks the joy out of everything, distorts everything, you know, bends. You're, you're not willing to deal like, with other people as a pastor. You're, you're, you're sort of like, no, no they're not paying like me enough. Got, yeah, no, your, your yeah. insecurities rise up and like, yeah. oh man, it's just like horrible. It makes, it, everything becomes dark and oppressive and miserable. And yeah. then like those moments are just like where the clouds depart and suddenly this sunshine and the squirrels are running along the lawn. And, you know, <laughs> like it's just, it's great. You know, like suddenly there's freedom and, and and you realized how long you've been living like the older brother, you know, in the parable, and True. and what a one what a wonderful thing to to discover yeah. the grace and not feel yep. like you're earning your place or not earning your place or whatever. I've I always think to myself, you know, it's a little bit like um, I once went to go visit Canterbury Cathedral, um, you know, the headquarters of the of the Church of England, and mm -hmm. like down in as part of Canterbury Cathedral, underneath there, there's this a crypt where the Huguenots, the refugees from France, used to meet, 
and they're still they're still gathering there uh, to to worship wow. for like since you know since the Reformation so for like five hundred years, hmm. and and I was just down there as like a tourist, and then um, but while while we were down there, my brother in law and I they they were doing a service, and so we're like look at each other, and we're like okay, well we're here, let's let's join in. Turns out it's a communion service. But, the, you know, they do the whole thing and we're all like, there's, there's only about 13 of us. So we're like standing in the semicircle and they're handing out the, the communion elements. And it's like all like, you know, they're all gowned up and it's this very solemn moment. We're in this crypt. It's old, it's seeped in history and like everyone's quiet, like, you know, and into it. And they hand out the elements. My brother-in-law drops the wafer on the floor. And then he, and then he, pick, he goes down to pick up the wafer and he drops it again. And he drops and he's scrambling, but he can't because it's flat and it's on like a stone surface. Now he can't pick it up off of the floor. He's just scrambling around. I'm thinking that is why we need grace because our, <laughs> our, our lives are just like that. We're just dropping wafers all over the place. and We're scrambling all over the floor and we're trying to have some classy, sophisticated Christian life, but it's just not going to work like that. Most of the time we're just dropping stuff and yeah. scrambling around, around and without grace, it's hopeless. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, Good. just, uh, I've, I've, yeah, same sort of experience, you know, having young kids keep you, keep you real like that, you know, just to, just to kind of realize everything that we set up where our lives are kind of together, it's all just pretense, you know, the kids expose you and show you, you know, for who you really are all the time. And just like, this is me in all my ugly, gross sinfulness, just needing to be, you know, I need to be picked out of the gutter. I'm, I am the, the, the thing that needs to be hauled out. And anyway, so yeah, it's, um, it'll great. get better, Mike. It'll get better. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks. Okay. Thanks. Are we, are we gonna you, have you, a crying you, just time? Two, you just had twins, right? So yes, uh, I did. <laughs> Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That the amount of sin is showing <laughs> we chickened out a number we had three kids then we chickened out a number four and then you know this is like redemption number four and number yeah, five all okay. in one so we made it we're in the five but good. um good we yeah. we've got five i think one is a lot but we've got five too <laughs> yeah <laughs> now uh i mean i suppose well where where are we heading with all of that i mean i i think one of the things that 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 i came away from in the book again we've kind of talked about this but just in terms of the pastoral prudence element, you know, and, and what we're thinking about here is less, I don't know, the theological minutiae, but more the, the that pastoral hit that's going to happen as you read your Bible, as you, as you preach the gospel, as you understand why it is that you're a Christian, as you love other people, as you deal with, uh, you know, bear one another's burdens, like none of that is going to happen unless you get grace. I don't know. I'm convinced of that. And I've seen, you know, that, that whole process dilapidates into something other than Christianity. If grace is not fueling the whole thing all, all the way. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is the theology at the center of that, you know, that's what we're talking about. And that's why I think, you know, you, you know, if you, if you're, this is a good moment to, to uh, recommend Pat's book to anyone listening to this podcast, because we usually never are kind to anyone that that's entering the discussion of covenant theology at all. We have, we have no pastoral intentions on this podcast we kind of we kind of just get them into trouble that's all we do we just make them confused <laughs> and uh and we kind of you know we get them scratching and we send them maybe. to the pactum yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we send them Funny. to the pactum get them cleaned up and then you know they, they can come back yeah. and play if they want but it's it's uh but but there are moments every now and again that that emerge that we really need to highlight that if if, if anyone is actually interested in pursuing this subject then start with pat's book um because kind of you to say no, it is, well, if uh, we can understand, if we really understand that 
my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are spiritually equal with me, right? Uh, with myself, even if it doesn't look like it, right? In Christ, we're not going to have, you know, some of us are going to get better spots in heaven. I mean, it's because of the imputed righteousness of Christ yeah. that I'm accepted. And the same is true with, you know, with one of my, 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 my enemies at the time, if they're a believer. Yeah. And so at least there's a basis and a foundation for treating people the right way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I'm not better than they are. Maybe I've grown spiritually more, but at the end of the day, we're actually the same. And so when they're at their worst, I, I have the theological foundation with thinking about it the right way, at least. Yeah. Which is super helpful, I think. Yeah. Amen. And then the other big pastoral issue is assurance, right? I mean, well, actually, I just, I mean, this has been a big thing for me personally. Uh, assurance is huge. You know, this is, I, I'm actually reading your brother's book right now. Um, you wrote that book on it, okay. Gospel Assurance, is it called? Yeah. Uh, yep. Very good. Yep. Very good. Really enjoying it. Um, but it, it, right. yeah, there it is. Beautiful. Yeah, we should recommend that while we're at it. Just buy all the Avondroth books, you know, just get them all. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, one of the one of the quotes I love in your book, uh, while M Martin Luther may have reminded the devil of his baptism uh, when he felt assaulted, this writer suspects that a more frightening weapon for the accuser of brethren is a reminder of the one who fulfilled the law for his people as the last Adam. What could be more assuring than a finished work? The finishing or, or the finished work of the last Adam, man. Wow. What, what a beautiful quote that is. Right? I love that. I love that. Oh. Almost waiting for the oh. devil to show up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> have, have you guys ever read much of table talk Luther's volume? Yes. Yes. It, it, it's, uh, it, it, <laughs> no, okay. So, so, so that's your assignment, Andre. Just don't buy yeah. the works of it. It costs too much money, but buy that. What do you have got the works of? Get the audio book. Okay. It goes quickly. It's, it's yeah. funny because some of the stuff is, you know, real serious. And then other yeah. parts are like, you know, why do women have larger fundaments than men? And I'm like, first of all, <laughs> what is a fundament? <laughs> he waxes eloquent on why. And I'm like, tell him, I'm like, Molly, you, you got to get a load of this. This is so funny. <laughs> all kinds of silly stuff. So anyhow, yeah. uh, I think, uh, but in all seriousness, the whole act of obedience of Christ matter and assurance is is huge you know it i it's great to be forgiven right it's great to right. not have your guilt i have a lot of guilt i need to be forgiven of a lot of sin yeah. but we're not at zero right we have a real basis yeah. for assurance it's the perfect righteousness of christ as our lawkeeper i mean it's amazing this this was a little bit of a controversy at our church for a short time right. not not broadly, but we had some leaders who knew I was doing my, you know, work on active obedience and they didn't like it. And they're upset because of their certain kind of dispensationalism. And right. so things were stirring a bit. And we, Molly and I went to dinner with uh, uh, another elder and his wife who, who, who are not the problem. They, they are on board and we, we got to the dinner and um, my, our friend, Laura, she said, what, what's, all, what's all this going on anyway? What, what's this all about, this controversy? And I said, well, let's order our food and then we'll talk about it. I said, but I'll just tell you this before we order. Jesus is better. Yeah. And she's like, what? <laughs> Meaning he's better than we thought he was. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've always thought he's pretty awesome. <laughs> he died for my sins. Yeah. But he's better than we even realized. He yeah, also yeah. lived for me. And so we have real assurance. Wow. Yeah. I know. I mean, yeah. What a, what a journey. So, yeah. It's, it's no wonder Rome doesn't like this stuff. Yes. Right. Yes, because exactly. this is real assurance.
It's Grant stuff. Um, it's no wonder Richard Baxter didn't like this kind of stuff mm-hmm. because then then people are going to people are going to have assurance, and then then he can't get him to behave, and he couldn't yeah. get him to behave anyway. So it's it's, it's, the, it's, only, it's the only reason you're ever going to behave, you know, th- that you know yeah. that yes. that you're covered. You know, it's the only reason you're ever going to want to do anything good. Yeah, I'm convinced of that. I mean, just just if for no other reason, just existentially, is that not the truth? You know, you're only ever going to do these things from your heart good works because you're driven by this reality that you're you're, you're now saved you know you, you are yep. going to yep. definitely be with christ and this is your destiny so get to it you know i mean and you can't well, otherwise it's like more, you can't get more saved yeah right? sorry yeah. andre yeah yeah, yeah. No, 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 I was just thinking it's, it's like it's like expecting your emotionally distanced teenager to be a better behaved because they're emotionally distanced and feel like they don't belong and they haven't proven themselves. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, laugh, it's like it doesn't profound. work that way. Yeah. Like you, you obviously you're going to behave better if you feel that you are truly accepted and belong. Like obviously that's how yeah. families work, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I actually just building on that because we've kind of skirted around the, the law gospel distinction. Mm-hmm. And why it's so important, and it arises out of this issue, uh, covenant theology completely. Um, yeah. I don't, and and obviously it's a big deal, uh, both on in the Twitterverse and on the Pactum um, for you. So I just wanted, <laughs> could you could you just clarify, like what, or, or not clarify, but just just for the sake of people listening in on this, just give me what is the law gospel distinction? Why why is it so important to you? And how and what's it got to do with covenant theology? To throw in, yeah. Just, so I, I would always like to say law is what God requires. Gospel is what God graciously provides. So that's at least helpful. Um, it's trans-testamental to make up a word. Um, it's not like law is Old Testament, gospel is New Testament. You have both in both testaments. Jesus clearly preached law when he said, do this and live, uh, for example, uh, and basically said, you know, obey God uh, and lo- love God and love neighbor and, and you'll go to heaven. <laughs> that's That's law. Uh, so follow Jesus is really good and important, but that's the law. Um, that's not gospel. Uh, we should follow Jesus, but we don't. That's why we need Jesus to die for our sins and be raised for our justification. So if we could just help people to have those categories, I think it would be very Protestant of us. <laughs> it would be very traditional of us and very biblical of us. But a lot of people blur blur them. I think maybe Kim yeah. Riddlebarger came up with it. Maybe Mike Horton. But when you have gospel... Awesome. Uh, you, yeah, gospel. You ruin both. Yeah. So yeah. we 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 should preach law. This is what God requires. Mm. We should preach gospel. This is what God provides. And then we come back to the law again. Mm. It's fascinating in Romans six, where it says we're not under law but under grace. And then he goes on to use all kinds of legal words like obey mm. uh, and righteousness. So it's it's to shock people. He says we're not under law. We're under grace. And then he goes on to show how they're under law. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And it's not a contradiction. We're under law for guidance now. We're, we're not under law for justification. Yeah. Um, and so things like that, if we could get good at explaining things like this, I think it's really going to help Christians. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now you make a comment help. where you, you basically talk about if you don't have the law gospel distinction, you're going to put grace into your law and you're going to put law into your grace. And uh, you say this, Therefore, those who advocate justification by faithfulness, such as Fuller, Shepherd, and Wright, resist the covenant of grace altogether, or at least in a standard formulation. But when this covenant is rejected, the covenant of works goes along with it. 
For if the latter requires strict obedience to be fulfilled by Jesus, then salvation comes to the sinner via the covenant of grace freely. The two stand or fall together. To require works for salvation by the sinner is to reject both the covenant of works and the covenant of grace. So you lose both by not keeping them distinct. Yeah, so vital. That's yeah. why earlier I think Mike mentioned, you know, we don't believe in monocovenantalism. You know, it's it's kind of this law and gospel all mixed and you can't distinguish. Yeah. No, God requires perfect personal perpetual obedience um, and we fail. So we need Christ to do those things for us and to atone for our wrongdoing. So mm. law gospel is classic. I, I For a long time, I thought it was a Lutheran thing. And that's usually the kind of the bomb that's tossed at it, uh, the grenade that's lobbed at it. But it's you're a Lutheran true. upbringing factor into this. What what, what happened there? No, How did that... no, yeah, I didn't learn much of anything. You didn't there, yeah. but I think I think it's a pretty common accusation. I think some. Um, oh, I shouldn't name names because I'll get it wrong. But I think it's pretty common even in reform circles. Um, Shepherd, yeah. I think, uh, certainly sustained the, uh, that that accusation. Okay, okay, yeah. and and I because I even had heard. Uh, Michael Michael Horton referred to as oh yeah, as, uh, he's, yeah, a, yeah. he's a crypto Lutheran yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah. Shepherd would make Jordan, a distinction Jordan between... Cooper actually yeah carry on Nick sorry I was going to say Shepherd uh, in order to make room for his own view said there's the Lutheran view of justification and then there's the Reform view okay. and so he threw out the law gospel distinction as Lutheran and now this is what we as Reform people really believe and yep. so yeah. he, he used it as a polemic to make room for his own distortions. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. who it was. Someone who wrote, um, somebody from Westminster, Philadelphia made a similar kind of argument. I know Shepard was there, but it was later on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's yeah. just simply not true, whether whether it's William Perkins. I mean, you get it, you find it in Calvin. Yeah. You find it. Yeah. It might have been Gaffin. It, it may have been. I just don't recall. So <laughs> you name you said it. I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. To name names. And I love Gaffin for so many things, but there are some areas where he just shouldn't be listened to. Yeah, I love I love a lot of the Union with Christ stuff for sure. Oh, so. resurrection! So yep, good. yep. I'm reading the new Beal Beal volume now, and he's basically just channeling Gaffin. I mean, he yeah, acknowledges right. that's what he's doing. Yeah. So yeah. except except for the final justification stuff in there. <laughs> yeah, amen. What are we? Dang. So bizarre. So yeah. bizarre. So bizarre. Yeah. So, uh, on that point, you know, I just wanted to. We're not going to get to this. I'm just going to say this up front. So maybe we have, we have to do part two at some point. Maybe they just have to read your book, whatever. But um, you've got a lot of good stuff. I mean, Fesco being your supervisor and whatnot in the book, I appreciate a lot of the historicity stuff that you brought out. Um, just even the way things like, um, you know, that uh, it was an, it was the reformed return to the languages that that shows some of the covenantal use yeah. and, and of those scriptures yeah. that people are just completely missing, you know, just because yeah. Uh, yeah. of the translation. And, you know, it's not a slam dunk on its own, but it's just very, very significantly helpful to see that as, as a, a clear line of argumentation or, or just, um, you know, what, what historians or not historians, but historical theologians are pointing out, uh, you know, was fresh exegesis, uh, during the time of the Reformation, not relying on any other uh, source, but yeah. really Luke and 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 you know everything that we want to look at. So it's that ma you know, there's a major like I don't know six inch footnote and, and it's Beza, yeah. yes, rolling his sleeves up and doing original work, right? Beautiful, fascinating Beautiful. to learn this yeah. kind of stuff. Yep. Totally. And a common so, accusation is it's just it's a theological system imposed on the Bible and it's not exegetical, and right? It's yeah. just not true. So at least tr I try to address that. Mm -hmm. um, yes. 
you yes, ignore all the right, history. Yeah. I can still prove to you covenant theology is true. Now let's yeah. not ignore history, right? Because that's not a good idea. But yeah, yeah, could be done. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that is the thing. I mean, I got no problem with systematic constructs and whatnot, but but it is just. Yeah, I mean, we have to admit people have proof texts their way through certain things, and you know, it has it has become a bit of a monster at certain turns. So to go back and just see a fresh punch from from exegesis is always just super helpful uh, to be able to, you know, okay, why is it that we, that this construct emerged to begin with? And um, and so one of the reasons I appreciate Klein, you know, my favorite female theologian, <laughs> old, old marriage. So I'm, I'm gonna forget, I'm gonna forget. I think I'm gonna forget to mention this, but you guys, I think, would find it interesting to read. To read, I think it's Justin Taylor. Um, he he was um, he's the Gospel Coalition guy, right? Yes. Yeah. Around. Yeah. yeah. He he did his dissertation at Southern. I didn't know this till recently on John Piper, and huh. there's a chapter there's a chapter on uh, Dan Fuller and biblicism, uh, and it's really fascinating. Wow. Just to learn not just the the left leaning stuff from Dan Fuller. But, you know, to, to hear Dan Fuller being at Princeton for at least for a year and his professor, you know, this is post Machen, right? This is, yeah. this is, there's already the, the fallout and the professor basically saying, we're going to do exegesis purely and we're going to get rid of confessions. Right. Wow. And we're going to learn how to do exegesis from how to read a book. I think it's Adler who wrote that book. And the yes, ultimate yeah. way to do it be through diagramming sentences in right. the original languages. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's just so weird to go. I was taught to do that. I mean, <laughs> and he talks about how he talks about how uh, Dallas Seminary got a hold of Fuller's oh. uh, diagram sentences, and then they oh, then man. they started doing it. I'm like, well, that's where my professors came from. Yeah, so, so got a whole book on diagramming Paul. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's a it's it's a weird, unsettling history. Um, yeah. it's yeah. this anti-confessional, yeah. we're going to start over and start from scratch. Well, look how many times we've, some of the men we're talking about have made horrific errors yes. that they don't need to make. And then the next year they get a little better and then yeah. they write another book and it's a little bit better. Right. And right. We, we don't need to keep reinventing the wheel or like Mike Horton says, it's going to be square. Um, let's study the scriptures in the original languages, but let's not be, let's not, what, what was it C.S. Lewis who said, let's not commit chronological snobbery. Right, right. So yeah. let's pay attention yeah. to, to the debates and the fights that came before us. And before you know it, we might say, oh, you know what? Let's learn from this. And I think that's what covenant theology is about. Yeah. Beautiful. I think it's, it's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's patently biblical, but I don't have thousands and thousands and thousands of hours to to read it and say totally, i'm starting totally. over from scratch yes without making some huge mistakes yeah so and, uh, i don't know if we're going to have time to go into it all but I, I at least wanted to mention just some of the wonderful things that people can find in your book and uh just i think these are some of the key headlines that people need to discover in covenant theology things like that the covenant of redemption is a legal covenant yeah that um, there's no grace in the covenant of works yeah um you know those are you know, and the law gospel distinction, which you've already spoken about. <laughs> yeah. um, and so just all of those sort of headlines are some, some of the just key to the DNA of true covenant theology. And get those headlines on Pat's Twitter feed. That was, that was basically. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems entertaining. I have to say, I just watched Twitter. Haven't they just renamed just it like, X or oh, something? Is it still called oh, Pat's, Twitter? Pat's we will just call it Twitter. We just call it. Twitter. Yeah, we just call it. Everyone calls it Twitter. And then, and then, Pat dropped a bomb. Oh, there's James White. 
James Watson, the picture. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm just going to get my popcorn, sit back and watch this one. So he uh, yeah. has a problem with some biblicism comments you may, may or may not have made, I think. I don't know. The, the, the crazy story about that is, you know, I, in the past, I've been friends with James. Um, I mean, I've spent a lot of time with him. Anyway, all of this to say, what I, I wrote about biblicism a long time before I ever even met Matthew Barrett. And, and I like Matthew Barrett, don't get me wrong, but yeah. what James thinks I'm saying is not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. arguing against anti-confessionalism. Um, things yeah. like in this book, I'm not talking about, you know, the great tradition and yeah, all to, this other yeah. stuff. Yeah. So pretty bizarre. I, I think yeah. he has my phone number and my email. He can reach out to me anytime, I guess, but yeah. bizarre. bizarre, bizarre. Well, that is the world of Twitter, unfortunately. Um, it's not a, it's I'm not not a happy place. It's not, a, yeah, I, I must admit, you know, I get small doses. <laughs> I just I haven't got I haven't got the what do you need the, the chutzpah the the gut for it. Yeah. Um, okay, so if you don't like Pat, then you you will like Spurgeon. You know Spurgeon. Everyone okay. likes Spurgeon. True, Does true. anyone not like Spurgeon? Some reform guys don't, but uh, but they do kind like of. They still read his devotion. Okay. Is it, anyway. is it the publicist yeah. guys? They'll quote like him when they preach. Yeah. Everyone likes Spurgeon. <laughs> no, it's so a okay, we'll end with Spurgeon, enough. so that uh, we can just. You know, and on a happy place. And I think that this folds in the historical uh, stuff as well, where Spurgeon, in your book, you say the doctrine of the divine covenant lies at the root of all true theology. This is one of my favorite quotes, by the way. It has been said that he who well understands the distinction between the covenant of works and the covenant of grace is a master of divinity. I am persuaded that most of the mistakes which men make concerning the doctrines of scripture are based upon fundamental errors with regard to the covenants of law and grace. Amen. And amen. amen. And amen. And Thank amen. you. And that's why you need to buy this book and read it. Yes. All right. Now, uh, now we got to end. Uh, do, do you have any more books coming up, Pat? Or is that it? Is that your one hit one? Uh, uh, or... Working on something that's small, probably one sitting on the act of obedience of Christ. Oh, nice. Yes. Right, so so I was gonna I've, I've got a recommendation like for part two, Pat. So covenant okay, theology part me. two, you need the Noahic covenant mm, okay. and, and covenant baptism. So okay. just uh you know, just wouldn't that be like I was, I was thinking so, so you've, you've I, done the intro course, now you need covenant, you know. I was thinking, Nick, little... maybe you could write that and I'll write an endorsement. <laughs> You could leave a little room in there for my book as well, Nick. You know, you could do that oh, yeah, if you yeah. wanted to. You could just yeah, leave a little too space. Academic. You know, we need we need a good pastor who knows how to speak to people so they understand. Jeez, and, uh... crazy. <laughs> What's up? What's up with that? Um, all right, sweet. And um, at Pat Abendroth and at the Pactum is the Twitter handle, uh, Instagram, yep. the Pactum Theology. And you can go to the Pactum. It's all fairly intuitive, I think. Thepactum.org. So that gets you to the, the podcast and Omaha Bible Church.org gets you to mm -hmm. S Church, which I will see soon. Super. Which I'm excited about. Yeah. That is absolutely. Uh, you know what? And if you guys yeah. don't mind, I can, since Mike, you're going to be at the church for the Pactum conference in October of 2023, yes. um, I could offer your listeners uh, maybe we could do a giveaway. So, oh, okay. That sounds great. So, Mom, right. you're listening, Maybe, mom, mom. We're not we're not paying for the flight, but if you're within <laughs> the distance where you can get to Omaha, Nebraska, and I know you have listeners all around, uh, email the Pactum 
yes. and say, I was listening to two age sojourner and I need two spots for the conference. Wow. And we'll, we'll, we'll cover that. So sound good. Awesome. Love it. First, thank you. First two emails. Just, just thinking, right. Nick, you and I are two. One, yeah. <laughs> one two. I'll cover you guys. Soon. It's those flights. It's those <laughs> flights that we're not going to